Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. illustrated this a moment ago, but as I began to read this psalm in light of what we're talking about today, I felt somewhat vulnerable. I'm being very honest. I I felt a little vulnerable while I was reading that. You know my thoughts. You know what I'm going to say before I say it. I'm thinking, wow. Wow. I got got to get straightened up here. I, I got to get this right here. I mean, my, maybe our first impulse to this would be just to try to hide or escape. Maybe I can run. Isn't that exactly what Adam and Eve did? They thought my, their first impulse is, is we can fix this. The first impulse is, is that we'll tuck this away in the shadows. And in Genesis 3, 7, and 8, we find the very feeble attempt at the first hiding of man. The first thing they did was start sewing fig leaves together to hide their nakedness because prior to this, they didn't even know they were naked. And so they, their first hiding was a sewing contest to see who can make the best fig leaf outfit. However, they apparent that wasn't enough. Uh, even for them, even for them, that was insufficient because the Bible says that when they, in verse 8, when they heard the voice of God in the garden, what did they do? They hid themselves. The first thing they tried to do was hide their nakedness. And now they're just trying to hide themselves. But you see, they couldn't hide from God. I think we would all agree that we have a a, a deep desire within us, not only to know, but to be known. However, we also desire that to be in somewhat limited portions because at the same time, we fear being totally exposed. I'd really like to get to know you, and I'd really like to get you to get to know me some. I want to I hedge my bets. I want to I hold all the cards and I want to give them to you one by one because you see, I'm afraid if I, if I get too much here on the line that you'll lose confidence in me. I'm afraid if I show too much that, that you'll say, oh, how could I ever follow? How could I ever, how could I ever do this? How could I ever do that? But you see, we all are in the same basket. We desire to know. And then sometimes we find out and wish, oh, I wish I didn't know that. And then we desire to be known and we place a little bit of ourselves out there on the table to a close and trusted friend. And then we drive home thinking, ooh, I hope they handle that carefully. Amen. We fear being exposed. However, what David is pointing out is the fact that God knows us through and through. While, at, while that at first glance may, may cause a little bit of embarrassment or shame, the incredible thing is that God still desires to have a relationship with us even after he knows us through and through. He still wants us. And so there's no doubt that the righteousness of God and the sinfulness of man needed a bridge. And that's why he became the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. 
And so that's, when I, that's why when Isaac posed a question in the book of Genesis, when he and his father were trudging up the side of Mount Moriah, and he looks down and he said, here's the fire and here's the wood, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? That was a question for the ages. Amen, here is the fire and here is the wood, but where is the lamb? Amen, he didn't know it right then. He didn't understand it right then, but the lamb was not the ram. The lamb, Sister Osborne, was not the ram caught in the thicket. The ram, amen, the ram was just a peace offering for the moment, but the lamb was coming. (laughs) Hallelujah, the lamb was coming. And so that's why, that's why John the Baptist come out of the wilderness like a madman. He didn't even understand the validity and the measure and the weight of the message he was preaching. He said, I can only baptize you into repentance, but there's one that's coming after me who is mightier than I whose shoes are not even worthy to bear. He is gonna baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And when that he, when that he come over the crest of that hill, walking down to Jordan's river, amen, John said, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. I'm gonna tell you the sinfulness of man and the righteousness of God needed a bridge. And John said, here comes the bridge. Here comes the breeze. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, what a great God. Amen. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why I get, I get emotional when we start singing blood songs. We start singing, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the Oh, the blood, oh, the blood. It's not just a catchy phrase. It's not just a catchy tune. Amen, but it's the blood. Amen, when I think about the song, it's as old as I am, just about that it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. Ooh, I can't hardly be still when I think about that that blood can reach me. It can run up a hill. That blood can run downhill. That blood can minister to me at any level. When I think about the power of the blood, amen, we sing there's power, power, wonder, working power in the blood, in the blood of the lamb. Amen, I think about those blood songs. Amen, blood was the bridge between grace and judgment. The blood brought us into relationship with God, living for the Lord, hear me today, living for the Lord. If you think living for God is just following some set of rules or going through some some religious rituals, you have missed it. If you wake up every day with your little self-righteous clipboard walking around checking off all the things you're doing, you are out, you are just so out of orbit it's not even funny. That's not what it's all about. I don't turn in a report at the end of the day of all the things I did and all the things I didn't do. I don't report in to my wife those things. Amen, that's not what our relationship is built on. We don't even have a clipboard in the house, I don't guess. Amen, we, that's not what it's all built on, that I didn't do this, I did do that, I didn't do this, I did do that, I didn't do this. And some people wanna try to make that about their relationship with God. And I'm not staying, saying there's some things we ought to do and some things we ought to abstain from, but what I'm telling you is if you've boiled it all down to that, you've missed the power of it all. And the power of it all is relationship. Amen, relationship. And so living for the Lord is not following rules and 
and, and, and things of that nature or just going through a bunch of religious rituals, it is at its very heart a personal relationship with the living God who knows us through and through. To know our strengths and to know our weaknesses and still want us around. Wow. That's, that says something. To know me when I'm high and then to know me on those days when I'm not even sure what my middle name is and he still loves me unconditionally. Wow, that, 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 my friend, is something to wrap your head around. And so we enter into this relationship. We put our trust in the Lord who paid the penalty for a penalty for our sin by his death on the cross. And so he loves us even before in our sinful condition. He loved us. The idea of being known so intimately by God provokes a very human reaction from David. That human reaction is this, where could I hide? David pursues that thought with the second portion of this Psalm, and if you're, if you're counting today, you know we're in trouble, don't you? If I said there was four portions and we're just now at number two, yeah, we're in, yeah, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in trouble, but we'll make it. We've climbed higher mountains than this. I, that was supposed to be funny, but you... <laughs> it still wasn't funny to all of you, even at that. Psalms 139 and 7, here's what David said. Whither shall I go? From thy spirit. Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? After he come to the knowledge of verses 1 through 6. When he got that wedged in his heart. His next response is, where do I go? I, I, I need to get out of here. I, where am I going to hide? He asked a very perplexing question. And then he begins a series of answers to his own questions. Watch this. He said, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, in hell, behold, thou art there. Where do you plan to run? If you want to go there, he's there. If you want to make your bed in hell, amen, that's not fire and brimstone. That's talking about the place of the dead. He said, he's there too. And so where am I going to go? So David says, I don't know what to do with all this revelation that I just got. I don't know what to do with all this knowledge that just came my way. And he said, I need to try to hide. But if I go to this way, he's there. If I go this way, he's there. He said, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, the wings of the morning refers to the path of the sun. Or in other words, if I start in the east and go to the west, He's there. He's already there. The utmost parts of the sea refers to the most remote part of the sea that you could possibly find. And he said, if I went there, if I could find the most remote part of the sea when I get there, he's going to be there waiting for me. Amen. Even there you cannot hide. David is, David is so personal. He's so passionate about this. He said, even there, even there, where? This remote, most remote part he said, even there thy hand, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. God isn't just everywhere I go. He's not there trying to intimidate us and bully us into living for him. He's there because he said, he's not just everywhere I go. He said, his hand is also holding me. 
This passage is not to intimidate us into right relationship with God. And I promise you this message is not some feeble attempt to intimidate you into right relationship with God. This passage is to remind us is that, of this, that we cannot escape the all-seeing eye of our Creator. And it's not just what we're doing, but it's what we're thinking. So I've got to bring into captivity every thought. Amen. Am I in the book? I've got I to harness thoughts. I've got to harness thoughts. And so I've got to make sure. Amen. So that when doing that, when I, I realize that, that assists me in living right in every deed that I do. Not just walking right, but how you treat people, how you, how you respond to people. Amen. These scriptures remind me of God's omnipresence. However, that's not where the story ends. The next portion of Scripture, we find that God's, we find God's power and His sovereignty. And the thought of that darkness doesn't hide us from, from God. Amen. David said, said, Lord, you knew me even in the womb. 139th Psalm, verse 13, he said, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Though hidden from human eyes, you already see. And you already know. David was not hidden from the eyes of God. He said in the 14th verse, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth. And that my soul knoweth right well. Considering how fearfully and wonderfully made David said, that should always cause us, I think, to have a ready praise on our lips when we come into his presence. Amen. If somebody has to pull a worship out of us, pull a praise, pull an I love you, I just don't think it's, as, it's worth as much as those that are readily on our lips, ready on our lips. In verses 15 and 16, David says, My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Now, just stay with me here for just a moment. Not only did God create us through his creative power, but he also ordained our days before they even came into being. He knew us. He knew us. Oh, you're in your womb, mother's womb. He could say, I knew you. I knew you. I knew what would make you tick. I knew your nature, your characteristics. You were fearfully, wonderfully, may I say uniquely, created. God knows us. And I am not giving anybody a license for anything here today, but I'm going to tell you that sometimes when I am at the end of myself, it's that passage of Scripture that just holds me center. Lord, you know me. You know, when I'm worrying about something, I know I ought to commit to your hands. I know you know me. When I'm slothful about something, Lord, that I ought to be more diligent about, Please, please, let me say one more time. I'm not giving a license out here to just do quesera, sirrah. But I'm talking about when we have exhausted and come to the end of ourselves. I'm thankful that he knows us. 
I guess what I'm trying to say, and I'm not sure this is the best illustration, but I, I don't think we ever end a day with God just folding his arms, looking down on us and shaking his head. God knows us. He knows us. And as long as we're reaching for him, David is saying, I can't escape. If our ushers would ask our Sunday schools to come in, and I'll just conclude here in, a, in just a moment. Musicians, you can come. So what do you do with a God like this? That's, this is my question. What do you do with a God like this? In this final section, verses 19 through 24, I think David gives us the answer. The answer is the pretty plain and it's pretty straightforward. And we must prepare ourselves, I think, in some regard to David's response. David said, I, I, I must commit myself to a life of holiness. I must commit myself to a life of God's holiness. As David ponders the power and the authority of God, he is led first to cry out to God to destroy the wicked. That was David's first response as you read this for the sake of time. I, I will not. He said, I want you, God, to just destroy the wickedness. And then he, he spoke and affirmed his own hatred of wickedness and wicked men. In verses 19 through 22. But this was not a sword of self-righteousness, no. If you keep reading, he quickly moves into asking the Lord to search his heart and then reveal any hidden sin. Verses 23 and 24, search me, O God. Now, I'm going to challenge us as a church. Pray this prayer. Let me, let me be more specific because sometimes when we challenge the church, everybody thinks that's just a corporation. Let me challenge you personally to pray this prayer. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Brother Gibson, I remember a conversation we had not long ago about this very subject. You mean, I think I've mentioned this one time before. I don't remember if it was here or somewhere else, so just forgive me for that. But Brother Gibson made mention of the fact that if the body can have something in it and you not know anything about it until some test or something reveals itself, if you could be carrying something and you know nothing about it, you're just living your life. Every day. And then all of a sudden you find out there's been something there for a long time. Kind of just lurking in the shadows. He posed this question to me in a conversation. He said, could that not happen to us spiritually? Could there not be something just spiritually just lingering around? Lingering around. That's why... His admonition to himself and to me as a friend was every day we need to pray and say, God, let me know. Let me know. Let me know. David said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to just, if there's any wicked thing in me, I want you to reveal that. I want you to show it. I want you to convict me. I want you to talk to me about it. And as the Lord begins to do that, I want you to be prepared for this, that your walk with him becomes more and more and more narrow.
And you won't be trying to think about what you can go back and pick up. But you'll be trying to say, Lord, is there anything else I can cut loose of this wagon? Because I need to be pleasing to you. Pleasing to you. How shall we escape? This shows us two aspects, I think, of holiness that we must develop. And I, 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 I say this in closing, and I'll just ask you to stand. It shows us two aspects of holiness that we must develop. And that first aspect of holiness is living apart from the world. And hear me this morning. People want somebody in their life that are different. I'm not talking about odd for odd's sake, peculiar for the sake of peculiar. But I'm telling you, I know there are people in my life that may never live for God. Now that's a sad confession and that's not a statement of unbelief. But no matter how determined they are not to live for God, they don't want me to stop living for God. They may be doing their own thing today and I'm certainly not saying that God won't reach them. Please just stay with my exact illustration. But they would be wholly devastated if you just stepped one step out of line. Just one step. Just one step. And so I just want to admonish you today. Hold on. Don't go back. Don't turn back. I'm asking you, how are we going to escape? Verse 22, David speaks about hating wickedness with a perfect hatred. That may sound strange, but I remind you that it was said of Job that he loved God but eschewed evil. That word means he hated evil. So it's not just enough to love the Lord. I want you to stay with me now. It's not just enough to love the Lord, but you've got to hate sin. I'm not through preaching and God's not through talking so please don't stop listening because there's a lot of people in the church that love God but they haven't fallen all the way out of love with sin. And so they love up on God on Sunday but that don't mean a whole lot Monday. They're not, on Sunday, they'll reach under the table and play with God's foot. They'll wink at him with eye service and lip service. But you see, on Tuesday, it doesn't weigh that much. I feel the Holy Ghost settling down in this house. Ooh, I feel something, Brother Gibson. Ooh. I feel like we're stepping into something right here. You see, it's not just enough to love God, but somehow or another, we've got to develop a hatred of sin. A disdain for sin. And that means that we got to stop entertaining ourselves with sinful things. Warming our hands over the wrong fire. That got Simon Peter in a world of trouble. In a world of trouble. I'm going to ask you, church. Paul says something to the Roman church. Forgive me for not just being able to quote this verbatim. But, but Paul even makes reference to those that entertain themselves through the sin of others. Am I in the book? Yes, sir. And so when the church is just sitting back and we're entertaining ourselves at the sin of others, 
there's got to be something wrong. That we shouldn't be saying, wait a minute, I disdain sin. I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> I mean, you know, when they started buying and selling in the temple, you, the Lord didn't put on his best Dale Carnegie voice and walk in there and say, come on now, gentlemen. No, no, no. He wasn't going to try to persuade them with words. But friend, when he got through, when he got through, <laughs> there was pieces of flesh on the ceiling. When he got through, there was droplets of blood on the floor. I don't think anybody was wondering. I wonder what he was talking about. Wonder what he had on his mind. No, no, no. This was serious. It was serious. Solomon said in Proverbs 8 and 13, to fear God, to fear God is to hate evil. In other words, that's an equal. To fear God is to hate evil. So you can't love God properly and then be complacent about sin. Oh, well. And so finally, Jude 22 and 23 shines some tremendous truth on the fine line between loving sinners and hating sin. And I'm not at all advocating hating sinners today. But the Bible says, and, having, and, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Holiness means living openly before God. That's what David expresses in 23 and 24. There are two elements of holy living in these verses, and I want to mention them as I close. Amen. I must constantly expose my entire life to God. That's one element of holiness. Every day, I gotta, I gotta take it all off and say, here, 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 here I am. Here, I gotta expose myself. Say, what's, what's this look like to you today, Lord? Every day, every day. I know we got some moving around the building, but I'm begging you to stay with me today. I gotta constantly expose myself. This is me today, Lord. This is me today, Lord. David said in the 23rd verse, he said, search me, God. Now, this is, a, this is a big request. Search me, search me, search me, God. And know my heart. Try me, try me, and know my thoughts. That's a pretty serious prayer. Pretty serious prayer. I, I, I'm still in this 139th Psalm. I'm still talking about the same man. This is the same conversation. I know I've been going on and on and on, but hear me today. This is the same conversation where a few verses back, David said, this is too much for me. This is too much for me. But somehow he got his hand around all this before he put his pen down. Before he folded up all the parchment and put all the ink wells away. He got a hold of this in his heart and he said, Lord, I'm going to ask you to know my heart and try me and know my thoughts. David's inviting God to shine his light in the inner recesses of his thought life because you see, that's where sin starts. Here. Here. That's why you've got to gird up the loin of your mind. You see, I'm going to tell you, I... I, I, I I'm going to tell you that there's something to the sinister spirit of this world. When the old preachers would pound their fist on the pulpit and say, you ought to abstain from that. You ought to stay away from that. 
Maybe they didn't do it with a lot of grace. And maybe they didn't do it with a lot of finesse. And maybe that turned a lot of people off. But if you get past all of that, there may be a real meaning to the message. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because you see, sin starts here. And so we got to know, know, no, 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 no. I got to build these fences. If you want to be holy, not just outwardly, but inwardly, you've got to constantly confront your thought life with the Word of God. Cleanse me and wash me and make me whole. And then finally, I must constantly yield my entire life to God. The latter portion of verse 24 says, and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, when God's word exposes where I'm wrong, I've got to submit to that. I don't want to sound rude or out of the way here today. That's not my intent. But I've had a lot of people through the years to tell me, hey, pastor, if you see me doing something wrong, you tell me about it. And I thought they were serious. And when I talked to them about it, I found out then too late they weren't serious. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. No. That just sounded good for the moment. That sounded spiritual. Sounded submissive. Sounded obedient. But you see, am I telling the truth? But you see, one day... Nathan came walking down off the platform and he took that long pointed bony finger and he said it right dead on the end of David's nose and said, thou art the man. You read it. It won't take you long to read it. That's how fast David repented. That's not how fast it all went away. But that's how fast David repented. And David went on to do some wonderful things for God because he had a voice in his life that he submitted to and yielded to and, and so when the voice of God speaks to us and God reveals that I've got to do something about an area of my life friend you can't just fold your Bible up stick it under your arm and walk home and pretend that didn't happen we've got to do something about that because knowledge without obedience leads to deception and pride we've got to be a doer of the word and not just to hear. And so how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I skipped something a moment ago. I want to say this. Because I wasn't even sure. I struck through these lines. I wasn't even sure I wanted to say this. But I feel this pressing in my spirit. The only way we're going to escape the word of God is either through obedience and I realize if we obey, there's no need to escape. But the only way we'll escape this is through deception. Deception. You see, there are some people that think the only unpardonable sin is the sin of blasphemy. I know where you're going, and I know what you're thinking, and I know that scripture. But I just want to pose a thought. If God gives you up, Everett Byrne, 
to believe a lie and be damned. You'll never repent of the sin. And if you don't repent of the sin, you're going to die in your sin. And so some people say, well, I hadn't blasphemed. I hadn't blasphemed. But I'm asking you, but are you deceived? Are you deceived? My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Are we deceived? Are we playing with fire? Are we playing with fire? And saying, I can do this. And I can come back to church and still feel the Spirit of God. Everything must be all right. No, 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 no. What may be happening is a spirit of deception may be lurking in your heart. And just little by little by little by little, your conscience is being seared more and more and more and more. Preacher, are you trying to scare me? No, no, no. I'm just trying to wake all of us up, including the man speaking today. How am I going to escape if I neglect so great salvation? <laughs> Amen. Why don't we slip our hands up? Can we do that? Oh, I love you, Jesus. My God, I love you today. My God, I love you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, don't let me believe a lie and be damned. God, don't let me, don't let me believe a lie and be damned. Lord, I, I want to hold on. With fear, with fervor, God, let me embrace the altar. God, let me never let it go. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, I love you, 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 Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I feel convicted in my heart to say something. Please, 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 please. Hear me. I've just got three words to say. But these three words can affect your eternity. Don't play church. Play a lot of things. Goof off in a lot of areas of your life. But don't play church. The most dangerous thing in the world that could ever happen is for somebody to play church to the point that sin no longer bothers them. Don't play church. Don't play church. That's dangerous. That's too dangerous to play church. Don't play church. Don't play with God. Don't play with God. Don't toy around about this. No, 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 no. Amen. I've got to be sincere when I'm doing this. I've got to be real when I'm doing this because God knows my thoughts. He knows my intents. In Jesus' name, I'm asking you, Lord, to touch us. God, I'm going to admit to you, I don't even know what to do right now. I don't even know which way to go right now, Lord. I'm just depending on you. I'm just depending on you, Lord. I'm depending on you, Lord, right now. Help our minds and our hearts, God, to reset the trajectory of our spirit. Oh, God, we have got to be serious. We have got to be sincere. God, we've got to be real. 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 In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 
Oh God, oh God, oh God. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. You can't go out fornicating and committing adultery on Friday night and come here and it all be all right. You may, you may shed tears. You may feel the presence of the Lord. But friend, don't you think God is not taking account? You can't go out here goofing around, sinning and doing all manner of things during the week and then just come back in here and cause you can still clap on time and you haven't forgotten the words of the song. Don't you think everything's gonna be all right cause it's not gonna be all right. I've got a question. How are you gonna escape? How, what are you gonna do with what you know? What are we gonna do, Brother Gibson, with what we know? I know too much. I, I know too much. I know too much. Jesus. 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 Listen, hell's trying to frustrate this spirit right now. Hell is doing its best to frustrate the spirit of this service right now because you see God's pulling, God's drawing, God's reaching. Hell's trying to frustrate. We need some prayer warriors. We need some prayer warriors that'll stand in the gap and say, no, 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 no. Oh God, it's not too late to repent. It's not too late. It's not too late to get it right. Oh God, David said, try me, try me, try me, try me, try me. Know my thoughts, God. Read my heart. Know my intentions. God knows what you're planning on doing this afternoon. God knows what you're thinking about doing tonight. God knows what you're planning for next week. God knows what you're planning for next year. God already knows it. He already knows it. David said, read me, God, read me, God, read me, God, read me, God. Oh, hello, moho, santa, da, 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 mahaka. He, da, 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 moho, soto, da, moho, soto, Oh, in the name of the Lord God, in the name of the Lord God, in the name of the Lord God. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, God, I love you so much. God, I love you. God, I love you so much. Jesus, 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 Jesus. God, don't let conviction leave the church. <laughs> I wonder where are all our tears today? Why, why, why? Why, why would we not respond to the word of God? Oh God, oh God, oh God. Heave he upon us, Lord, your word. Heave upon us, God, your power, your presence. Persuade us. Persuade us, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 
God, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Hey, I love you today, I love you today. My God, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, God, let your righteousness, God, let your righteousness persuade us. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, Lord, pass by here. Somebody's hungry, Lord, pass by here. Somebody's hurting, Lord. Pass by here. Pass by here. Pass by here. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh. Oh. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweet Lamb of God. Sweet Lamb of God. Sweet Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like to say something here. I don't want to interrupt the spirit of prayer. But even those that are praying, I want you to, I want you to listen, please. If there's anything that we should strive to do or become as a, as a church or as an individual is to be people of the word. Now, I want to help make sense of what I'm trying to say here. You see, there's a lot of people that get addicted to signs and miracles and wonders and 
But we need to be word people. Because I'm going to extract myself out of today's message, please. And say that there's nothing more powerful that will ever happen in a service than what's happened right now. Nothing. Nothing. The Word. The Bible talks about in the 16th chapter of Luke, the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man in hell lifted up his eyes and said, could you just see him, Lazarus, just dip his finger in water and just come cool my tongue? No, no, we can't. It's a great chasm. We can't do that. Well, if we can't do that, would you send Lazarus? I've got some brothers. Would you send Lazarus back and let him warn my brothers? And here was the response. Here was the response. (laughs) Amen. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What's that mean? They have the word. Nothing be more powerful. You see, the rich man's thinking, boy, somebody from the dead rose. I mean, went that, oh, that do it, that do it. No. Uh-uh. If that were the case, then a miracle would have taken precedence over the word. And nothing supersedes the word. Nothing. And so, friend, hear me. I don't live in a vacuum. On the driest, deadest Wednesday night when we didn't get anything right. When the word went forth. (laughs) Nothing more powerful could have happened than when the word went forth. And if that word came forth out of a 30-year veteran, a 50-year veteran, or if it was the second time somebody ever stood in the pulpit and they got all goofed up and all, nothing more powerful happened than when the word went forth. And so let us be people of the word. Of the word. Sing, oh I love singing. Worship, I love worship. I love praise. I don't wanna change any of that. I love our ministries, I love that. But you hear me, friend, when the preacher's about to step up to the pulpit, don't be trying to distract me. Don't be trying to get my attention, why? Because the most powerful thing that could ever happen is about to happen. And so it's not gonna be good preaching or bad preaching. Not gonna be a good preacher or a bad preacher. It's gonna be the word of God. I wanna have such a love for the word, the word, the word, the word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holiness is what I need. Sing it with us. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.